Hey everybody, it's Chris. Given the nature of how this show is done, there is always a gap between the time when I record the interview with my guest and the time it actually reaches you as a podcast. So you are about to hear my interview with Jen Ellen Knuth. A lot has changed since this interview in a very short amount of time. Uh, one, her name is Jen Ellen Knuth now and not Jen Ellen, uh, as I called her through the interview, because she got married. Uh, she also does not work full-time with Lavender anymore. She has a lot of different cool projects, so check her out. And I think the interview still holds up, so check it out. She's super cool. Go find her on LinkedIn. And without further ado, I now present Dark Social with Jen Ellen Knuth. Live from Chicago, it's Christelle's Soul. I'm your host, Chris Bogue, and this is my show on LinkedIn Live, where I have conversations with cool people who will help you work more creatively. Today, my guest is Jen Allen. Jen, say hello to the audience and tell them where they can find you. I'm very easy to find. I'm right here on LinkedIn. You may be able to find me with my one single TikTok, but it's going to take you some time. It's not easy. It's my one and done. (laughs) Excellent. Welcome to the show. Jen, and today's episode is all about dark social. And if anyone in the audience doesn't know who I am, my name is Chris Bogue. I'm your host. I coach people to make mercifully short video content. And today is going to be a conversation about dark social. What is it? How do you get in? How do you use it for your career? And Jen, in addition to, to uh, being head of community at Lavender, she's also the founder, a uh, co-founder at Social Social. If you've heard of that, we're going to be getting into that. That is her Slack group. You should totally join it. And before we begin, hello, everybody in the comments. The comments are already blowing up. I see some awesome names here. Natalie says she's come over to the dark side. That's what we want to hear. You guys are all awesome. You are all great. Any questions you have about dark social or community or anything that Jen and I are doing today, please pop them in the comments. So, Jen, pop quiz, what is dark social? Okay, so I actually... I'm not some marketing connoisseur. I just started my role in marketing in January. So I did my research like any normal person. And what surprised me is dark social, that term was actually created back in 2012. It was some guy who wrote the Atlantic Weekly. He was the first person to use it in an article. I thought it was like a really recent thing, like maybe 2020, but apparently it's been around for a really long time. I think it's one of those terms that sounds fancier than it needs to be. Basically what it means, it is, it is conversations that can't be tracked. So think about, hey, I read a really cool article. I look at my LinkedIn inbox and I recognize it's an absolute hot mess. And so I text it to my friend or I WhatsApp it to my friend or I put it in a Slack group. And so that person may open it. And for the author of that article or that blog or whatever it is, it looks like the person went directly to that site. Like it's showing and registering and direct traffic. When in reality, it's just because they can't track the source because it's not a trackable source online. And so basically, it's if you go to a barbecue and you have a conversation with your friend about something cool or new that you tried, there's no way to really attribute it unless you're asking for that when you ask the person, how did you hear about us? And so we call it dark social because it's all the darkness that happens in social. And apologies, because I know I'm not goth tonight. I'm seeing a lot of comments that everyone wanted. Yeah, yeah. We got characters coming later on in the show. So you all hold your horses there (laughs) in the comments. But I want to talk about this word untracked. Because I'm a person who I left the corporate world. I left my B2B job because I wanted to go at this alone. And one of the great advantages of this is all these things that my bosses thought was a waste of time like LinkedIn, like social media, I can go in there with a plan of attack and I can go in there, I can hold myself accountable. I can set goals for the companies that I want to connect with, for the people that I want to form relationships with. And my bosses used to think that wasn't real work because they had no way of knowing what I was doing. There's no window into that. When you're a sales rep, you're evaluated on how many phone calls you make, how many emails you make. It's hard to show the dark social thing is working. Tell me about accountability. What kind of direct benefits do you see? And if you were like someone in an organization utilizing dark social, how would you quantify that? Or how would you express that to your bosses so they could understand what's happening here? 
Yeah, I find it's a really tough thing, right? Some people get it and some people don't. So you got to pick your battles. But I'll give you a very specific example. So I spent 17 years as a salesperson at a company called Challenger. It was a sales training company. And so I went through all of the normal motions, like cold calling, cold emailing, DMing people on LinkedIn, trying to generate interest for our solution. And then in 2021, midway through 2021, I started messing around with posting my own stuff on LinkedIn. And something interesting started happening, which was it was never like C-leaders or C-level leaders or VPs of sales who were my ICP that were commenting or liking my stuff. They were lurking. But every once in a while, they would start showing up in my DMs and they'd say, hey, Jen, I don't even know what Challenger is, but you had a really uncanny way of talking about the problem that we just got out of a meeting talking about or something that we've been really struggling with. I'd like to have a conversation with you about it. Not about our solution, not about what we're selling, but about the problem that I was talking about. So it sent off a, a signal to me to say, okay, something's happening behind the scenes where maybe I can't see it, I can't track it. I have no way of knowing these people are even engaging with my content because they're not liking or commenting on it, but it's sourcing leads. And then it happened so frequently that I made the case and said, look, what if we formalized it? What if we took this terrible titled role of evangelist, chief evangelist, and my job, instead of just trying to source leads for myself, was to try to source leads for a bunch of people just by writing really relevant content in a channel where I knew our people were going to learn. And so long way of saying, it's hard, right? You can't do a one-to-one, I did this, I got that. But I think if you are able to look back like we did and say, we could see where all of these deals were sourced by a DM, then we could start to have a higher level of confidence that, hey, maybe we can't measure it exactly like we could with a you know clickable ebook or something like that. But it's trending in the right direction. It's the behavior we want to see, which is customers leaning in and saying, I want to have a conversation with you. Yeah, you have to be on top of your data. For me, if I'm putting together a sales list, and I do video prospecting, my thing, but I, I send them a video when I want to get that meeting. I so rarely send a video to somebody that I've not made some sort of interaction with. Like I will make a note if there's somebody that I want to have a sales relationship with. First, I figure out where they spend time on the internet and I find some way to cross paths with them first. Find them to get to see a piece of my content. I wind up in the same private group with them. I retweet them or I respond to one of their tweets. I have some sort of interaction with them. And then when I send that video out, it's, hey, Jen, I actually responded to your tweet last week and it got me thinking. Blah, blah, blah. You say a couple sentences about them. You make it easy for them to reach back out to you. But this method works incredibly well, but it's the combination of the video outreach. And first, I showed up where they already wanted to be because we all have one phone. We all procrastinate somewhere. <laughs> yeah, you can find it. It's not that hard to find. Yeah, and I think you bring up a really good point, which is if you ask sales teams, do you know where your customers go to learn? And I asked this question all the time when I was selling. It is, it's actually really surprising how many people don't because they haven't been asked to understand that. But there's this whole debate around, you can only get value out of LinkedIn if you were selling to salespeople or marketing people. And sure, like I'm not going to sit here and say it's not easier when you're selling to sales and marketing people. But if we make those assumptions without checking with our customers, our prospects, and just seeking to understand, hey, where do you go to learn? Is it a person? Is it a place? Is it a public nation? Is it a social channel? To think that our our prospects and our buyers aren't learning anywhere is so ignorant. And so even just answering that question first and foremost, because to be fair, if, if your buyers aren't learning on LinkedIn, then it makes no sense to be present there, right? If your buyers are learning on Twitter, don't waste your time, but don't make assumptions about that. Seek to understand, to your point, around where people are going to learn and then show up and have interesting things to say about the problems that they're, they're searching to learn about. Yeah, this is, it takes me, to, this, it seems like it's off topic, but I don't think it is. So <laughs> it's your show, I'm, you got everyone. I'm guilty of this sometimes where I'm like, don't be a boring marketer, be Chris Bogue. And I see all the time people's tagline is like, not boring marketing, not boring sales, not boring <laughs> LinkedIn content. But I'm like, if your job is tied to how well you sell or how well you can market yourself or how well you can understand finance or whatever it is, that topic is not boring to you. You, you have an above average amount of interest in that topic. 
so I never go in with the assumption that my audience thinks that what I'm talking about is boring, no matter how niche it is. And okay, so I'm gonna, I guess this is a good follow-up question to my first question, but that thing we did where we were in a sketch together and you were goth <laughs> and it was like a, a candlelit Goonies adventure, that's dark social, right? It is, right? How many times was that video texted around or passed around? I was on the recipient. I saw screenshots of people saying, hey, I got this video of you doing this thing. And I'm sure some of those people who were connected with me directly might be in the room today. Maybe they're not. Maybe they'll watch it after. But that, I think, this is one of the things, Chris, I admire about you. I admire about folks like Will Aitken, Todd Clouser, is that oftentimes we forget, yes, it's dark, but it's also social. And if I walk up to someone at a party and I'm like, let me tell you about what I do. Oh, we're the number one leader of everything. It's I am just looking to get out of that conversation as quickly as possible. And so everybody has to be cognizant of their audience, but I don't like this assumption that it's like, oh, it's a CIO, so they're not funny, or they don't appreciate humor, or they don't like to laugh. Like, I think those are massive assumptions that result in us showing up in a really boring, stale way. And to be invited to a conversation like you talked about, we have to be interesting or smart or clever or funny enough that someone wants to talk to us in the first place. Yeah, I feel like the best thing you can do is allow someone to be their unrestrained self around you. And I always say, the irony is people see me performing and they think that I'm on all the time. But really, I think a lot of my strategy is I'm going to open vessel for my audience. And I always, especially in sales, this is something that my people don't understand. They think that I go send comedy videos to prospects to try to get meetings. I don't. It's a very short video about them and about their goals and their values and the things that I'm working towards. But it's like, they see that we have these mutual interests. They see what I'm doing outside of here. And it's, yeah, it's not that hard to take that conversation out of the group. And I get found everywhere. I got, I've gotten deals closed from Reddit and Facebook private groups and people in my building. <laughs> and, it's, and yeah, and it's this weird thing too. I was getting clients when I had fewer than 1,000 followers because I knew what I wanted to be talking about. I was very intentional about who I showed up in front of. If you're talking to the right people constantly, eventually, yeah, you're going to find somebody who's a, who's a fit for you. Yeah. And I think the other thing, too, is we don't have to participate right away. Like one of the other benefits of dark social, and, and let's be honest, the skill of customer acumen is largely underserved in most onboarding programs and training programs and sales organizations. So like you come in, you get a bum rush of product training. And then they're like, go out and talk to people. And then of course we go out and we just talk about our product because we don't know what else to talk about. If you are uncomfortable showing up to a Slack community and having a point of view on the problem that these folks are facing, that's okay. Just show up and learn. Watch, what are they talking about? How are they talking about it? What are the alternative ways that they're thinking about solving the problem that you solve? So much can be gained by just showing up and being quiet. We don't even need to speak at that point yet. And it's, a, it's something I honestly recommend to anybody who's selling into a new stakeholder or selling for the first time is just show up and learn and listen. Yeah. And so this is something too. If anybody in the comments wants me or Chen in their dark social group, we will happily join. <laughs> Feel free to choose a DM if you've got a group where you do professional networking. But this is also a thing, I think this is a really powerful thing for job seekers. When I quit my last job and I was starting to figure out, okay, I'm going to launch my own thing. How do I do that? I just started taking meetings with people. I just, I was used to a salesperson who always had to set meetings. So I started doing that with my network. I started reaching back out to people who I had worked with before, people who had moved up, they've got companies of their own, whatever. I started getting invited into groups and I realized a lot of the people out there who are really successful it's not that they're so much better than everybody else. They have better advice. When some people, if, if you grew up with a very successful family and you've got very accomplished people, you have people in your family who people pay huge amounts of money just to get advice from. And if you don't have that kind of privilege, yes, it's a setback, but technology being what it is, it is easier than ever to get invited to these groups. And so much of what I was doing when I was starting out was like, I'm like, I'm going to do this myself. And they're like, nope, hire a bookkeeper. <laughs> Spend about this much money. And like, 
it, it really becomes a game of should I spend money on this or not? And talking to people who had who were one doing it already, they were my age, but they had been in the game longer. They had been growing for a while. I got to learn from them. I also got to learn from people who were way older than me, people who had run multiple companies and exited companies and retired. And they're happy to give that knowledge away for free. Like they are talking about it on their phone because it's what's on their mind. And it's, are you as infuriated as I am by sales <laughs> leaders who don't see why talking to buyers all day is a valuable thing and why calling them and emailing them cold and spending hours a day getting rejected and yelled at maybe is not as efficient as they've led us to believe? Because I don't know. I, if I had to pick one or the other, I would only do the social thing and not do the outbound. Oh, one million. I could not agree. I don't want to be misagreeable, but I could not agree more on this topic because when you just blindly call people and email people all day long and get rejected, one, that jumps suck. It straight up sucks. Two, you're not learning anything because all you're met with is rejection and no, right? So if you are in the middle of that process right now for anyone that's in sales, interrupt it yourself. Don't wait for your manager to tell you to do it. Interrupt it yourself. We're Okay, so we're doing this on LinkedIn Live, but we're using Restream as our platform to stream it. I will tell you, if I was a rep for Restream, I would be going in to all of these different sales communities because I'm telling you right now, like even in our community and social, I can't tell you how many times someone has said, hey, I saw you did your live last week. This was a really cool feature. How'd you do it? And then the, the conversation comes up and it's, oh, it was Restream. And then someone inevitably asks, what do you like better, Restream or StreamYard, which is their competitor? And then you get all these people weighing in being like, oh, I like StreamYard because of this. Or I like Restream because of that. If I just sat there and read that, like I, I wouldn't need to sit through a competitive intelligence class. I could just say, okay, client voice is suggesting that people like this about our competitor. They like this about us. So now I know what I can lead with. These are, I don't care what you sell, these conversations are happening all over the place in these communities. So yes, totally agree with you. Yeah. And they'll go through sales leaders. You do this. They will schedule hours of time where you are role playing, where it's <laughs> like you and this other sales rep are going to pretend to be the buyer, giving the hardest, most difficult responses possible. And then you get on the call and it goes nothing like that. And like, yeah, yeah. example, you use Restream versus StreamYard. I could go into any of these groups and be like, hey, which is better, Restream or StreamYard? And they're just going to tell me. And be like, hey, I think Restream is much better. Maybe they're going to disagree with me. I will learn so much more from coming to them than I will doing all these elaborate guesswork exercises. And guess what? The top closers at sales teams ignore those meetings <laughs> because they're, they're so busy talking to buyers all, the, all day. They speak completely differently from the rest of their team. And maybe we can get a little, so I, I want to talk to you just before we go to Gimme Gimme, which is our next segment, I want to talk just a little bit about account-based marketing, like account-based sales. Account, like I have found it is so nice where you were talking about how not everybody who interacts with your stuff is going to be a decision maker. Maybe they're not, they don't have access to the budget. That's fine. For me, I make the comedy in part because I have all these fans that are not leaders and I can reach out to them and be like, hey, I'm about to get in touch with your boss. Can I ask you some questions first? What do you think they'd say? Is this something you guys are working on right now? Can you like give me a little insight as to like how big of an issue this is for the team? And then when I go in there and I, I make that pitch, I'm not just guessing. I'm not the people I tend to work with do this. Say, hey, I know you have this program. Here's the level I could get you to. And I know it's somewhere further than where they already are. So do you use this as a way to choose your entry point into an account? I just, this, so for everybody listening, Chris and I have never talked about any of this before. So I'm just sitting here, if you see me geeking out and smiling, because I just am eating up everything you're saying. So one of the things that I cannot stand that salespeople say, and this is just personal to me, is VPs like you or other VPs of sales like you, because I think it immediately puts me on the defense, not VP of sales, but if I was, I immediately want to say, I'm not like other VPs, right? So to what you just said, we cannot do, we are forced to do VPs like you if we don't have context on their business. So when I was a challenger, one of the things we intentionally did is we were selling to chief sales officers. Some of them listen to podcasts, very few 
candidly do because they think they know everything already. Yeah. So what we did is we set up a podcast and said, let's forget about the decision maker. Let's forget about the buyer and let's just serve the audience who would be the recipient of the training, right? And let's just see what happens. So with a podcast, you have no idea who's listening. Like it could be my mom downloading the episode 20,000 times. I have no idea. So you have to have a bit of a faith-based approach. But what we did is we said, let's just go give, give things that feel like they should be paid for and give it to the audience who would be the recipient and see what happens as a result of that. And sure enough, Chris, you would get people who no one would ever call on because they don't have the right title would be bringing us in and say, I shared this episode with my boss. They shared it with their boss. And now they want to have you guys come in and talk about this training. And it's if you just do what you said and you just stop focusing on getting to the decision maker and you just start listening, helping, it's a not, it's amazing how much you pull you get and sort of push you have to make on customers. I think that's a great segment or a great segue to our next segment. Jen, I think it's time for Gimme Gimme. Jen talks a lot about giving and giving things away for free and just being selfless and charitable with all your wonderful training and knowledge. But every once in a while here on the show, we like to take a moment because LinkedIn, funny enough, was actually invented for self-promotion. Yeah, that's right, folks. It was designed to be a place where you could put your information about your job, you could put your resume and you would get hired for gigs, you could get hired for new jobs so you can make money. Excuse me. So yeah, it's at this time where I like to pop into character and my guest and I ask the audience for exactly what we want. So Jen Allen, are you ready for Gimme Gimme? I'm ready, Chris. Hello. Boss Vogue here. Time for Gimme Gimme, the part of the show where I ask you for money. But you're in luck today, folks, because while I am definitely going to pitch my useful products and services to you, today I'm offering something you can join completely for free. That's right, baby. Join the Dark Social Group. <laughs> it's right here. You want to join Fagman's secret Dark Social Group? Oh, we're going to talk about so many things. The job opportunities, access to other Dark Social Groups, all the spicy LinkedIn content that about stuff I can't stand that I don't post publicly because it's too <laughs> negative. You get to enjoy all of it. Join the secret dark social world. Scan the QR code right there. But first, Jen Allen, my audience is here. Tell them exactly what you want. Okay, it's called Gimme Gimme. So I'm doing two gimmies. So the first one is super easy, y'all. Socialsocial.io is how you get into our community where we talk about all of this. We don't pretend to have all the answers. There's a lot of things I don't know. But the whole point of it was to say, look, there are, there are questions we all have around how do you show up and what kind of videos do you post and what do you do here and what do you do there? That's the whole intent of the group. So all I'm asking is go to socialsocial.io if you're not in it already. I see a lot of folks from the group already in the chat and sign up and just take that first step to learn from other people before you walk into a dark social group and show up like a weirdo, right? So that would be gimme number one. Excellent. Yeah. Join Social Social. Unless your name is Nick Capozzi or Will Aiken or Todd Kloniser, <laughs> your content's been pretty miserable lately, right? <laughs> uh, all the people at Social Social are out there having fun, making amazing content, uh, making moves for their career, while everybody else on LinkedIn is sitting there crying about how miserable they are. Gang, <laughs> LinkedIn is a playground, and you get to go hang out with Jen and Todd, and, and not me. I'm not on Slack right now because I hate that app, but maybe I'll get there someday. Uh, but yeah. Socialsocial.io. Go check it out. Oh my gosh, I can't leave you. Okay, this is the second one. Second one. Is I work for a company that I mentioned called Lavender. Now, the reason I'm, gonna pl I'm plugging this is because you could do all the right things. You could learn how to show up and be so good in dark social. And then if you spend that first email, writing an email that just makes your buyer's eyes roll into the back of your head, you've completely missed the plot. So go to lavender.ai, sign up for the seven-day free trial, and what you will get is you will get a Chrome installation in your inbox that's going to correct you on all these stupid mistakes out there, how long you've been selling, that we make. Things like starting an email with, hope you're well. Things like our big fancy buzzwords that we just can't help but include an email. So go to lavender.ai, download the installation, and try it out for seven days. If you hate it, get rid of it, but you won't. Yeah. Go check out Lavender. 
I've had half the company on this show already. <laughs> so where the movers and the shakers are, and I've read your SDRs emails. They are dog shit. Go to lavender.ai. Why would you not trust Jen? Go do it. And also, maybe you want to bring me in to help your company out because, folks, the Mercifully Short video content is a nice place to be right now. In a time where everybody is miserable, have you noticed that people like Chris Bogue and Jen Allen are out there making amazing content every single day and you're not paying for anything like that? You can change that, all right? You can go out there and have the time of your life and everybody will laugh and make sales and I'm surprisingly affordable. So I will train you on content marketing. I will bring in, I, I will come in and help your team make amazing content so you're out there every day with smart, educational, actionable content or you could buy my wonderful course. If you got a program like Vidyard or SendSpark or BombBomb or Loom, you're probably making videos that are absolute garbage that are not getting watched, and I can fix that. I have an incredibly effective method where you just talk to the camera for 30 seconds. Doesn't matter if you're a scumbag with no talents or no social skills, all you have to do is show up on camera and look good for 30 seconds and you will be fine. That's what I got, Jen. Do you have anything else for our audience today? I don't, except I just want to love that you called people scumbags. And frankly, everybody is here because you created a good video. So I don't know a better testimonial than the fact that this video is what got y'all here. Go with Chris Vogue, I'm telling you. Yeah, you know what? You all showed up here. Huh? <laughs> you made it this far. What's it going to take to impress you people? I don't know. Gimme, gimme. Iggy, roll the tape. Hello? Is this Mr. Sherbert? It sure is. What can I help you with, brother? Hello. You were not expecting this call. Do you have 17 oh, seconds to learn about mercifully short? Is this a cold call? I don't know. F you. Never call this number again. Oh no! Another unsuccessful cold call. You probably don't have time to fuck off. I got a quota to hit. Are you spending hours every week cold calling and cold emailing, but not seeing results? There's gotta be a better way. Introducing the complete guide to selling on video. Whether you're new to sales or a President's Club member, this fast and fun course will teach you to efficiently create short, customized videos that get results. The complete guide to sewing on video is not sold in stores. Visit chrisbogue.io and use promo code GIMMYGIMME to take $50 off while supplies last. Don't delay. Get noticed today. And we're back. Thanks, everybody, for sticking around. Now we're going to get tactical. So, Jen, we spent the first half of the show talking about what is dark social. I want to take the second half of the show to just focus on tactics. If somebody wanted to wake up tomorrow and start utilizing these social channels to further their career, what are the steps you would recommend taking? Yeah. So first step is what we talked about before. Talk to customers, talk to your client success team, talk to someone at your company who has the role you're selling into and ask them, where are the places you go to learn right now? Ask that question frequently because you don't want to just take the first answer you get. And who do you like to learn from? If, if you would ask me a year ago, or even now, right? I like to learn from Josh Bronick. Josh Braun is a tremendous salesperson. So I, w I don't really care where he's at. I just like learning from him. So if I consider that and I get a bunch of answers like that, then I'm looking and Googling and it's not that freaking hard to see where does this person show up? And then I'm going to show up and I'm going to listen. I'm going to learn what's being talked about. Now, I want to say something that I do not mean to be offensive, but sometimes there's this, and I was a seller, so I can say this. Like, sometimes there's this mindset where I've been selling forever. I know everything. I know there's nothing left to learn. Even if you've been selling for 30 years, show up and shut up. And just sit there and look at the questions that are being asked and then start taking notes of what are the answers, what are the questions. And then as you get more confident and as you join more social groups, then you actually have a bank of knowledge that you can add to and say, okay, I know the last time someone asked about what's the best way to reach CIOs, I can now weigh in and share a point of view that isn't just my own independent point of view, but I could say, this is what I do and I've heard some others that do this as well and I've had some success. So just, I think the biggest thing, I think it's just be a little bit of, a little bit of patience. Sometimes in sales, we just want to get to the end game, but be very slow to learn, listen, observe what is the tonality of it? Because sometimes we can say the right things and have it come across the wrong way. That would be big theme for me. That's interesting too. This goes back to something that I tell the people I coach for video content 
make more content about the question than the answer. Mm-hmm. And you can even see that with me and Jen's promo teaser we made, which we both shared it this week's. In the video, I'm asking questions like, what is dark social? How do you do that? And I think the problem with LinkedIn content oftentimes is somebody wants to assert themselves as an expert. So they put themselves in the mindset of, oh, I'm going to put the right answer out there. And there's this group of people that's searching for the right answer to this really basic question. And they're all going to see me as the authority now. But it doesn't really work that way. And I have found that by using polls, by using video content, by doing crossover events like this, where I will bring in somebody who knows more than me, I don't promise my audience I'm going to give them everything. I'm like, hey, we're going to explore this question. And now instead of a lecture, it becomes a conversation with the audience because I'm asking for their input too. I'm making them a part of this giant conversation. And yeah, once you do that, it gets a lot easier to figure out like, oh, who might be a potential prospect? Like who might be interested in what I sell? But you you can't pretend like you're this guru. (laughs) You got to be somebody who's curious about the topic. And I think that's, there's that crew of people and Grant, I spend most of my time on LinkedIn, but there's that crew of people on LinkedIn that are like, get off my lawn. Like, you can't post on LinkedIn if you haven't worked for more than six months. And I think what they actually mean is you shouldn't be acting like you're an expert if you're six months. I, I personally believe like we should never act like an expert. I sold for a really long time, still would never call myself an expert because it changes so rapidly. I think you could be an expert in one thing and the next day you're not. But I think people who are genuinely curious, Riley Blaisdell is one of the folks that are here, that is here today. And Riley was not even on the map, I don't know, six, seven months ago. And now I can't scroll down my feed without seeing Riley. It's not because he is a self-proclaimed expert in sales. It's because he's really damn good at showing up and having a conversation and adding to it instead of just being like, look at me. And I think Sometimes I think we tend to forget that it's just a human interaction and we don't have to show. Nobody likes talking to that person who thinks they know it all. Why would social be any different? All right. Well, I'm going to make a counterpoint because I just put on a tie and screamed at the audience that I'm better at them. <laughs> so let's talk about what I'm doing there. So I, was, I always had a hard time with self-promotion. If the audience can believe that, there's a reason why I do it in character. It's just a lot. I was never a person who liked to, it was always, a, it honestly hurt me in my career because I liked talking to people. I liked going out and doing the work. I didn't like updating Salesforce and I didn't like telling everybody, oh, I did this and I did that. And I do, even now, so many LinkedIn content creators, they like talking about how much money they have. They like talking about how big their following is. They like showing how much engagement they got this past week. And I never had any interest in any of that. That's just not what I care to talk about. That's not what I see accomplishments in. What I started doing, and someone mentioned the phrase here, oh, Nathan, yeah, he said one of the things, building in the open, building in public. One of my early dark social moves was I wanted to show them what I could do because I actually do think of myself as a video prospecting expert, but only because there's basically no study that's been done on it. It's such a new thing. It's been done so little compared to calling and emailing and running sales presentations. These ways of doing sales have been around for a long time that have had a lot of books and study about them. And video, I was doing it for about a year and I was just, I I got it because I have a lot of on-camera training from television and web series and stuff that most sellers don't have. So I was like, I knew I could sell this and I needed to make the video companies know me because I was a guy who had no reputation, no content on LinkedIn, no following. But I was like, all these companies need to know who I am. So I broke the Vidyard world record and I made a video about it. I made it really entertaining. I reached out to Tyler Lassard, friend of the show from Vidyard, and I asked him what was, uh, again, dark social chat. I just sent him a DM being like, hey, out of curiosity, what's the most Vidyards anybody's ever sent in a day? He said, I don't know. I go, that makes it easy because whatever I get, get Um, but I made a video making and captioning and sending 104 videos in a day. And there was a comedy sketch worked in there. I made it. It was very entertaining and engaging. And I sent it out. And in about an hour or two later, I started getting vidyards and bomb bombs and looms. They started coming into my DM box and it was all these sales reps at the sales companies going, well done. They're sharing this in our Slack channel and good job, man. Let's connect. And I was like, I'm in. I figured out how to infiltrate their internal channels. And all of a sudden I went from a guy they knew nothing about to a guy who the only thing they knew about me was I wrote a sketch that they laughed at and they just watched me shoot and caption and send 104 videos in one day. And 
from that moment on, everything changed. That was also where I got my first inbound five-figure coaching deal. So it was just, it was a LinkedIn in-mail, wasn't even a first connect, who was like, hey, I just saw the video. Let's talk about coaching. Just popped it right in. And I was like, it was this amazing moment where I was like, it worked. <laughs> I had the space to do it. I, I created the strategic content. It landed with exactly the small population that I wanted it to. And it led to inbound business. It did all of the things, but there's no way a company ever would have let me do that, John. And so that's candidly one of the reasons I went to Lavender because I was like, these guys and gals, like, they don't, they're like, go be as weird as you want. And I like that. And if you had taken a traditional approach to marketing in that tactic and written a white paper about how many videos you did, it, no one would care. It's because you went for it. And I think this is one of the beauties of dark social is things that I hate the word viral, but things that go viral or things that get passed around a lot are things that are either super smart or super funny. Because human nature, we want to look smart or we want to look funny. And so I think we often fall in the camp of let me go look smart. And we fail to appreciate that sometimes like the entry point is just humor. Like I love it when someone sends me something funny. But I think a lot of times it's just like a fear-based motion where we're afraid to go all in and be weird. Because what if it gets passed around and people think it's weird? Who cares? It's still being passed around. That's the bigger barrier I think we have to solve for. Yeah, it's funny too. I, I do a lot of comedy and it's not just go boo, boo, boo. It's, it's right. because I think it signals to a person that you understand them on a deeper level. And one thing I learned the older I get is that once you leave school, nobody cares that you have the correct answer. In school, you win by the number of correct answers you have. So people think that's how you win at Dark Social. They think you win. If I, if I have the correct answer about everything... Of course, everybody's going to love me. Um, <laughs> whereas I'm always trying, especially with the the funny content, I'm trying to tap into what is the feeling? What is the feeling you get? Again, I'll go back to our sketch that we did. And for anybody in the audience who didn't watch it, so the promo that we did for this episode, Jen was in goth makeup. It was in this darkened room. It was very mysterious. There was creepy music. But I was trying to capture in on the mystery of people hear about dark social all the time. What the hell is this actually? And it's fun, or even that infomercial that we watched. So my infomercial contains so much product information. I literally break down everything I teach you, the problems I solve. I put you in the middle of a situation that's very relatable to anybody who's ever had a cold call. And if I just sat there in front of the camera saying, hey, here's my course, go buy it, no one would buy it. But if I put an infomercial out like that, my Stripe account starts lighting up and I start getting inbounds. And it's, I, this is a hard thing because like, I don't teach people to be funny. I tell people like, hey, if you're, a, if you're a thoughtful person, go be thoughtful. If you're a supportive person, go support people. If you're a teacher, go teach people. But yeah, it's, I, I don't know. The humor is an interesting thing because people are like, oh, I need to be funny. Random meme. Whereas, that. Yeah, yeah, whereas for me, like people are like, I could never do what you do. I'm like, that's a sketch about wanting people to join my WhatsApp group. <laughs> like, I had Will Allred on the show. We had an episode about how to write an email. I I'm actually just a guy sitting on his phone in his apartment. It just feels more exciting because I'm actually trying to make it an engaging video and not just like proof that I'm right about my opinions. Right. You could sit there and say, here are the 100 reasons why Chris Bogue is the best person to coach you on video. And I would skip right by that, right? Because it's just you talking about how great you are, but you earn the right to do that later because you win me over with how you capture my attention. It's the same thing with Lavender Joe, right? So for anybody who knows the Lavender Joe character that Will Bowers created at Lavender, it's this guy who cannot for the life of him do anything right as it relates to email. Nothing about our product, nothing about what it looks like or what it does. But if you look at and this is something we didn't talk about, but you can actually get a feel for where people learn about you simply by taking your lead form, adding in that preform field that says, how did you hear about us? And not giving them a drop down, just blank, right? Let them type it in. My aunt Bertha told me about it. Lavender Joe comes up all the time. And we're like, he like is the antithesis of what we do here. He is the opposite of what we are teaching people to do. But people love him because he's funny and he's relatable. And we all, to your point earlier, we've all been Lavender Joe at one time. And when we can laugh at it, it feels less intimidating to say, I need help with it. 
Yeah, and that's where I have a number of characters because I'm trying to tap into different versions of myself. And I'm going to bring this up here. Somebody's asking. I made a post today about how I don't accept the phrase, it's just a joke. Because I come from a place where your jokes have to be good, otherwise you don't get booked and you don't get hired. Your stuff doesn't work. For me, I think, and we talk a lot on this show about cancellation and who gets canceled and why they get canceled. And I am firmly of the belief that the easiest way to get canceled is when you're talking about a group of people you don't know very well. When you're coming from a place of ignorance and judgment, that's when you get into trouble. That's when you get into cancellation town. You're mocking people because you don't understand them, because they're not like you. Whereas what I'm trying to do with my humor is I'm really just trying to show the audience that I've been there and I get it. My boss character is an amalgamation of every sales boss I've ever had, smidge of Donald Trump, and uh, also the part of me that pushes myself too hard, the the part of me that goes overboard. I really try to lean into that. Vagman is the opposite of that. My character, Vagman, he's very vague. He never says anything specific. He's specifically unspecific. (laughs) But at the heart of this is this fear because he doesn't know what he's going to say. He doesn't want to say the wrong thing. And that's another thing that's very relatable for my audience too. They're there where it's, I have to market this product. It's generic SaaS product. What am I don't know how to, okay, it's going to get you to the moon. You'll be a rocket ship. (laughs) We, We can laugh at it. Not because I'm saying, look how stupid this is, but I'm saying, haven't we all been here? Hasn't this been all of us? At one point, I feel like that is such a better way. And when if you're trying to build trust with a buyer, the best comment I can ever get is when somebody tells me, it feels like you're in my head. Amen. Amen. And sometimes, and this is what I love so much about, before I ever met you, talked to you, I loved about your content, is you're right. You can absolutely, you show that you know your audience so well because you pull on these different characters that we all play. And when we can laugh at it, it brings our barriers down, right? And in order to seek help, in order to be like, I'm going to spend money on something, we have to believe that it's okay to say I have a problem. And I know that sounds cheesy, but it's true. And so uh, like when we think about selling, oftentimes we're trying to convince people they have a problem and we're pushing versus that is to me so much more of a pool motion. I'm making it safe to say this is hard. And by doing that, I'm increasing the likelihood that you will seek help on it. Yeah, I think Lavender Joe is an example of this too. And this is something I do with Bagman, something I do with my comedy. Again, what's that first image in my infomercial? You see a weird 90s geocities like <laughs> Rainbow and Mr. Sherbert. But that person who's nervously calling him and the cold call goes terribly and hangs up and swears at him. I do that because if I ask somebody, are you bad at cold calling? They're going to say, no, I'm great. They're going to try to save face. Um, I create these situations and these characters so the character can absorb the sting of the problem and the audience can distance themselves from it. And Lavender Joe is the same thing. People, yeah, I'm a pretty good writer. Yeah, my emails are fine. You see Lavender Joe write this really clumsy thing and it's like, (laughs) what an idiot. I I should probably stop using that subject line. (laughs) It, it, it allows you to like emotionally distance yourself from your problem. And I just got, I get into conversations with sales leaders all the time where I tell them like, look, handling objections pisses people off. And sales leaders, you drive me crazy because you spend all your time on objection handling and you're trying to teach these young sales reps how to outwit someone. And I tell my clients, you should handle objections in your content. Because if I'm on a sales call and I'm sitting there objection handling somebody, they are protecting themselves against me. They know, they're like, look at this slippery mf'er. He's going to try to outwit me. I'm going to tell him that I'm not comfortable with something. And he's got all these rhetorical tricks to try to disarm me because he's going to try want to try to get the sale. If I make a piece of content about how I'm different or I make a piece of content challenging an assumption they have or a misconception they have, Maybe they're not going to agree with me, but they're not sitting there defending themselves from me. They're not Uh, they're having to worry about, I'm going to twist their arm and get them to do something. They can agree or they can disagree. Now, when I pick up the phone and say, hey, Jen, I want to have a conversation with you. You actually know where I'm coming from. When you 
it's been think in your head you've had time to evaluate that and we can have a much more in-depth conversation because we're not fighting each other okay so everything you just said i hope everybody takes every bit of that to heart because i've always been of the belief that if you are the first person to say the objective objection you think is coming you gain power in that situation and going back to what we talked about before with dark social it can be really difficult, especially if you're starting off in sales or you're selling a new product or you've just moved to a different company to know what those objections are. So when then you get them in the moment, we go into offense defense mode, right? So one of the benefits of being in dark social, going back to the restream stream yard thing, right? I don't think anybody on here is selling that, but let's just use it as an example. If I look for the counterpoint to why someone prefers stream yard and I'm selling restream, I now can bake that into my content, right? So I can say a lot of people think this is the bigger problem. And what we've seen, like you can have fun with it, you can address it. If you are the person to say it, it makes it so much easier to have an honest conversation. One of the things that we see with Lavender is a lot of people think Lavender is like, oh, it's just writing all your emails for you. We joke about that a lot because it's actually completely not our philosophy. We believe the human first, it's AI assisted. But we understand that a lot of people will look at that category and make an assumption. So we could either sit down there and say, this is why we're not like that and nobody would pay attention, or we can have fun with it and have someone look at it and say, okay, maybe I fall into that trap and it's not actually what it's about. Yeah, I, I like that too. And I, anybody out there who podcasts or live streams, I use my live stream for that too. I strategically, when I was coming in, I'd bring in guests Sean Adams was a good example. Sean Adams from IORAD. He makes a lot of LinkedIn content. Super nice guy. Enterprise seller who uses a lot of video. When I was getting a lot of objections from people saying, hey, video doesn't work for sales. doesn't work for cold outreach. So I knew he was closing like big enterprise level deals on video. And I'm like, yeah, I want to get you in and let's talk about mid-pipeline. Let's talk. Let's just get into like, how do you do this? And I invited a bunch of sales leaders and I do this all the time. I did this with James Buckley too from JB Sales. He uses a lot of video in his stuff. And I'm like, they're going to go see us do it. But I also pulled the wool over my eyes on my crowd because me and Sean were like, we're only going to talk about mid pipeline. Don't worry about cold outreach. And then we did gimme gimme. And I'm like, jokes on you. We're going to talk about cold outreach <laughs> chickens. Can't believe you cowards won't <laughs> to set demos. Are you crazy? We did learn about mid-pipeline stuff, but I had their attention. I had the right guests. I had the right moment. And I flipped the script on them. And I'm like, you guys are all wrong. You guys are all, come fight me in the comments. You're wrong about this. We're going to take the second half of the show to explain to you how easily you could be doing this and how effective it is. But again, if I was sitting there trying to get $15,000 from them for a training package or something, they're, they're rightfully sitting there trying to poke holes in everything I do. But if they're already listening to the live stream, they're like, you're wrong, but go ahead. You know? Right, and that's okay. I would much rather have a debate of opinion than just one of these boring-ass webinars where everybody's just agreeing with everything. I think it's important to have something that is memorable by inserting conflict. You and I disagreed on the term expert. That's okay. I didn't get pissed off and leave. Nobody quit the webinar <laughs> because of it. It's okay and it's healthy. And sometimes I just think we play it so safe out of fear of that. And yes, Rob's in the house. He is the man behind Lavender Cell. <laughs> yeah, Rob, I guess I'm going to have you on the show someday. Because <laughs> yeah, it's, I look around and I see, yeah, I ask, I, this is what I've challenged sales leaders a lot. I tell them, what do you think the future looks like? Think about the future. You're a corporate executive. You're a very important person. You've got a family. You've got obligations. You've got a job that you spend too much time on. Do you think that person is planning for a future where they spend more time taking cold calls from 23-year-olds? Or, or are they probably going to figure out, they're going to look up their stuff on their own time whenever they feel like it? Because I'm planning for the future where important people just look up stuff whenever they need it. And being a BSAS is planning for a future where everybody is going to be spending more time on the phone talking to salespeople. And I just don't see it. And... Lavender Joe is another one where I, I say, and this is a thing I got into with Will Allred, founder of Lavender, but I have this belief that people don't go to their email inbox to learn. They don't go do that. I don't go to my email inbox to learn new things. 
I go to my inbox when uh, a bot, like my if I'm working for a company, if my boss sends me something, if I got something important from work, if I have something from a client, maybe I've got like a promo code or like an offer for a company I buy stuff from. So I want to go in there and find it. I want to get out of my inbox as quickly as possible. And where I tend to procrastinate is in places like Reddit and YouTube and LinkedIn <laughs> and all these channels where I'm going through Twitter and reading interesting things. And like Lavender is doing very similar to what I'm doing, where it's like, you're scrolling through, here's a sketch about this weird, absurd man who talks like a terrible cold email. And it's funny, it catches your attention. And you realize, oh, that was actually cool. And I actually ended up learning something from there. And I believe you need to have both. You need to have that magnet pulling them in, identifying where your people are. And then the other half, which most content creators don't do, is you actually do have to go do the outreach. You have to ask, you have to get the meeting, you have to establish value, you have to listen, you have to do all the stuff that you do in a regular salesperson. It's just, you I say you, we've refigured the nurturing stuff. Yeah, yes. Actually, who wrote about this the other day, Thicket at B2B Power Hour, where he said content has become the early stage buying process where people are looking into your... Oh. Okay, thank you picked out of the United States. No, they just gave us the red light. <laughs> Where you actually, the content is what brings people to you. But to your point, like you can't just rely on any channel. It's always been like that. If I just rely on cold call, if I just rely on cold email, like it, the point is to get people to want to come to you, but you can't just say, okay, I put a bunch of videos, I put a bunch of content, I'm good. You still have to do the work. There's no easy button. Yeah. As we're wrapping this up here, Riley just asked, Lavender Joe Bigman have to fight each other that. <laughs> Who's winning? That's a great question, but I think that sketch would probably write itself. Bigman versus Lavender Joe would be an interesting battle. I would love to talk to you about this forever, but unfortunately, you're going to get kicked out of the room. You're there. This has been fascinating. Everybody in the comments here, if you want to connect with Jen Allen, Jen, where can they go find you on the internet? LinkedIn, baby, right here. Just click on my name. That's where I show up. That's it. Awesome. And once again, I'm Chris Bogue. You can find me on LinkedIn. Also, if you want to join my secret WhatsApp group, <laughs> I may paywall it eventually. But right now, it's free. You can come in there, get my real hot takes. I've got a lot of opinions. Most of them don't make it to LinkedIn. Come join me. I talk a lot about sales and marketing and comedy and video and just how to survive in this strange remote world that we all live in. Yeah. Oh, and I guess go to chrisboke.io to buy my course. <laughs> That's how I survive. That's a big help, too. Thank you very much, everybody. Stick around. We got way more guests coming up. And thank you very much. Say bye, Jen. Bye, everybody. Thanks, Chris. This is so fun.